Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, beginning with verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Children, kindergarten through second graders, you are dismissed. We've been looking through the Sermon on the Mount this summer, and we've talked the last three weeks about different sayings that the Jewish leaders made that Jesus had to correct. And if you just read Matthew 5, verse 33 through 37 at first glance, you would probably think that Jesus said here, do not swear at all. It doesn't mean cuss words. But what Jesus is getting at here, what you would think, first glance, is that he's getting at, you shouldn't swear an oath at all in the name of the Lord. You shouldn't put your hand on a Bible and say, I I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God. You shouldn't do any of those things. There have been people throughout the centuries who have read these verses and have come to that conclusion. Uh, Groups like the Moravians or like the Anabaptists, even the Quakers They believe that we are called not to make any kind of oath or vow in the name of the Lord. George Fox, who who started the Quakers, he was put on trial one time as a witness, and he was asked to put his hand on the Bible and and, and, and to put his hand in the air and, and promise that he would tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help him God. And George Fox, as a Quaker, he refused to do that because he said these words, You have given me a book here to kiss and to swear on. And this book which you have given me to kiss says, kiss the son. And the son says in this book, to swear not at all. I say as the book says, and yet you imprison me. How chance you not imprison the book for saying so? What George Fox was saying is, is Jesus in Matthew 5 is saying, do not swear in the name of the Lord. And you're asking me to swear, but the Bible tells me not to. And so if you're going to imprison me, you need to imprison the Bible. Because the Bible tells us not to swear in the Lord's name. Well, I'm here to say that's not what Jesus was meaning when he gave these words. He was not telling us that we can't swear in his name. We can't take an oath or a vow in his name. As the Quakers believed, he said. But what Jesus was doing was he was, he was correcting a false teaching that was circulating amongst the Jewish people by by rabbis and by Pharisees who were saying that, yes, you should not swear by any other name but the Lord, but if you swear by the Lord, you have to keep it. But anything else that you swear upon, you don't have to keep. Anything else other than the name of God that you swear upon, you can break that promise. So Jesus was correcting this misapplication of the word of God in the Old Testament. And and, and the people of the the day of Jesus, they were were saying, well, Matthew 5.33 tells us that you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. What they were getting at was passages like Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12, that says, you shall not swear by my name falsely, 
and so profane the name of the Lord, I am your God. They also read Numbers chapter 30, which tells us, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. They were reading these passages, and and the Pharisees were saying, well, yeah, the Old Testament teaches that if you swear in the name of the Lord, you have to keep it. You're bound to what you swore. But they said, but anything else you swear upon is fair game. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. That is not how you are to live. That is not how you are to interpret the Old Testament. Because after all, when you read through the whole Bible, you will see time after time of people swearing in the name of the Lord. I think about the prophet Jeremiah. He said that swearing by God's name will be a sign of grace in Jeremiah 12. I think about when Paul, he, he took vows in his ministry. Uh, for example, Acts 18, 18 tells us that after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for, for Syria And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. At Caesarea, he had cut his hair. Listen to this. For he was under a vow to cut his hair. Paul made a vow. John, he recorded a vision of an angel who swore an oath in Revelation chapter 10. Even Jesus himself spoke under oath when he was on trial before Caiaphas and the council in Matthew chapter 26. God the Father himself, he swore upon himself. Hebrews chapter 6 reads, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. God not only swore upon himself, Jesus not only swore on the witness stand, but but God told us as people to swear in his name when making an oath. Deuteronomy 10, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. So right here we're seeing a number of instances throughout the Bible where it's telling us that we are to swear and make a vow in the name of the Lord. The Pharisees in in Jesus' day, they read these passages and they said, of the Old Testament especially, and they said, well, that tells us that we are to swear in the name of the Lord. But anything else that we swear upon is fair game to break. That's why they were swearing on heaven. They were swearing by Jerusalem. They were swearing even by the heads of their, or the hairs of their head. You know, as you think about what they were doing, I think about what we do today and you hear statements like, I swear on my mother's grave. Or, or you might even hear that, uh, well, if, if I, I swear to do something, then I will stick a needle in my eye if I break it. I'm sure you may have said that when you were a kid. Even on the playground, what did you do when you committed to doing something or you promised your friend that you would keep your promise? What would you do behind your back? You would cross your fingers. You would cross your fingers and say, well, I swear that I'll, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll keep my word. And then behind your back, you're crossing your fingers so that you could get away with it and break that promise. That's what the Pharisees were doing in Jesus' day. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't saying you can't swear at all. Because we see time and time again of how people swore in the name of the Lord. But what he was correcting was he was saying that <laughs> anything you say 
anytime you make a promise, I don't care if you're adding me to it or if you're adding the hairs of your head to it, you need to keep your word, period. You need to keep your word. And that's what he's getting at when he's saying in Matthew 5, 34, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or one hair black. Again, the rabbis were saying, well, I swear by the heavens above, or I swear on the loss of my beard. One one rabbi even taught that if you swear by Jerusalem, then, then you don't have to keep it. But if you swear looking at Jerusalem by it, then you have to keep it. This is the absurdity that was going on and that was being taught in the synagogues that Jesus was having to correct. And that's where he was getting at when he said these words. Now, as you, as you look at these examples, I like what John Stott said about it. He said, however hard you try, Jesus said you cannot avoid some reference to God. For the whole world is God's world and you cannot eliminate him from any of it. So, as the Pharisees were doing, they were swearing by heaven and then they would go back on their promise because they didn't swear in the name of the Lord. But what Jesus was getting at here is he's saying to them, don't swear by heaven because that's where God resides. If you speak of heaven, you speak of God. They were swearing by the earth and not by God. And Jesus said, don't swear by the earth because God made the earth and it is under his providential rule. His feet... He rests his feet on this huge ottoman of this earth. The rabbis and the Jewish people were swearing by Jerusalem. And Jesus said, don't swear by Jerusalem because this is God's city. A city totally consumed with the things of God. And then there were others who were swearing by their head. And Jesus said, do not swear by your head because even your head is controlled by God, even owned by him. What Jesus is saying is that anytime you swear on anything, whether it's me, God the Father, or on created things, you are swearing under God. Because everything not only is heard by God, but everything is controlled by God. And so keep your word whenever you swear. Keep it. That's the point Jesus was trying to get at. He was saying, don't compartmentalize your life. We're saying, well, as long as I just swear upon God and I keep it, I'm good. But if I swear upon anything else and I break it, then that's okay. He's saying, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. Anytime you make a commitment, you should intend to keep it, no matter what you swear upon. He later confronted the Pharisees in Matthew 23 with a similar uh, topic, and he said these words. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells on it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. So what is Jesus getting at here? Jesus is saying that God knows every word we say. There is no promise that is ever made 
that not one word ever spoken without it being done in the presence of God. No word will ever be spoken without it being done in the presence of God. God hears every words that we say. And whether we swear on our mother's grave, whether we keep our fingers crossed behind our back, whether we say, I'll stick a needle in my eye, God hears it. And, it, and if it's a promise, we must keep it. That's why Jesus went on to say in verse 37, let what you simply say be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. I want to tell you something that happened to me when I was in college many years ago. When I was in college, I had my college pastor, his name was David Burke. And I'm forever thankful for this night that he preached on this passage. Because David Burke, he was preaching through Psalm or Matthew 5, and I'm thinking to myself, well, this is an interesting topic, oaths and vows. What does this have to do with me? Just as you might be wondering right now, what does this passage have to do with me? It has everything to do with you, and let me tell you what happened to me that night. So I'm there, and my pastor, my college pastor, David Burke, he said these words. He said, when Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, do you know what he was saying? He's saying that if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. You don't need to back out from your commitments. And as he said those words, I thought to myself, oh, that's convicting. Because guess what I had? I had a syndrome called FOMO, fear of missing out. And I had this problem called a commitment problem in college. I would tell my friends, yeah, I'll be there. I'll go to that Bible study, or I'll go to that party, or I'll go to that birthday party, or I'll go to that service project. And then the day before, something better would come up because I had the fear of missing out. I didn't want to miss out on the better. And so what did I do? Ah, I backed out on my original commitment, and I went with what was better for me. When my pastor said these words from Jesus in Matthew 5, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized, oh, man. I break my word all the time. I break my commitment all the time. I'll tell people I'm going to be there, and then last minute I'll come up with a, an excuse because something better came up, and I'll say, oh, sorry, I'm not going to be there. I got something else to do. Don't you and I do the same thing even today? You know, what's interesting. I, I was talking to several people in the last few months who don't go to church, and I'll ask the question, Hey, I'll tell them what I do, and then we start talking about church because it's an easy bridge because I tell them I'm a pastor. And I'll say, oh, what church do you go to? And they'll say, well, I'll go to so-and-so church. And I'll say, oh, what's the pastor preaching on? And I'll say, I have no idea. And they'll say, okay, um, what are you involved in at the church? And they'll say, well, I haven't really been in six months. Oh, so you are at that church. Well, I, actually, I'm not really. Okay. You know, when you, when you make a commitment to the church, you're saying, I'm going to do my part to the best of my ability to help the church. That's a vow you make before God and before the church. And if you're not there, you're not really fulfilling your commitment. I think about weddings. I think about how a lot of people I've talked to over the years will have the save the date card and then they'll, they'll send out the invitation and they expect people to show up in the last minute. They get a third of the people that don't show up and they're like, what happened? I hear about it from soccer coaches in little leagues. 
I see it all the time where they'll say, we don't have enough players to practice tonight because the parents are backing out last minute with something else that came up. You know, the worst thing happened, it was about four years ago. I remember I got four messages from the dentist, four. The first one I got six months before my appointment, it was a, it was a postcard in the mail and it said, hey, just a reminder, your appointment is on this date, six months from now, okay. Two weeks before the appointment, I got an email. Just a reminder, your appointment is on this day, it's on this schedule, just let you know, please come. The week before the appointment, I got a phone call, a voicemail. Hey, just want you to know, your appointment's coming up in a week. And I'm thinking, man, I've already been talked about three times. I've been reminded of this appointment. The day before my appointment, I get a text message. And it said, hey, your appointment is tomorrow, 2 o'clock, just a reminder. So finally, I show up, and I confirmed all those appointments. And I, I showed up, and I, I asked the lady at the front desk. I said, ma'am, I noticed you gave me four reminders to come to my dental appointment. Why in the world did you do that? I confirmed every time. And she said, you, wouldn't be, you, would, you would be so surprised at the number of people who say they're going to be here and they don't show up last minute. The last minute cancellations are just no-shows. You'd be shocked. And I thought, what? So after that, I realized, Houston, we have a commitment problem. We have people who say yes, but something better comes up and... They end up backing out last minute or they no-show. There's a no-show on the commitment. So again, this is what Jesus is getting at here. Whatever we say is under the eyes of God. It's under the ears of God. He hears what we say. So whether we swear in his name or swear by anything else, we swear. We promise. We, we are making a promise before God and everybody else. That's what Jesus is getting at here. So as we wrap up this message and as we wrap up this, I want to give you four takeaways to apply to your life. Number one, be faithful to do what you say you will do in the big and in the small things. Be faithful to do what you will say you're going to do in the big things in life and in the small things in life. Be faithful in the big things. If you make a vow before your spouse on your wedding day, that you're gonna be with them till death do you part, for rich or for poor, for sickness and health. That's a big thing. That's a big vow that you need to keep. If you join this church or join another church and you promise before God and before witnesses that you will do your best to promote its purity and its peace of the church and to, and to help the church grow, not numerically, but spiritually, if you promise to do your best, then do your best. If you ever find yourself promising to keep something in confidence, you know the whole idea of confidentiality? If someone says, hey, I really need to tell you a secret, then before you commit to that confidentiality, you may want to say, before I promise confidentiality, I just want you to know that if, it, if what you're going to tell me is harmful to yourself or harmful to others, then I may not be able to keep that in confidence for your sake. Before you just quick to say, I'll keep this in confidence, be careful about those things. And especially if, you're, if you ever find yourself in court, or if you join the military, or if you become an elected official and you have to swear an oath in the name of the Lord, do so with confidence. And do so with the intention of keeping every word to the best of your ability. Be faithful in the big things, but also be faithful in the small things. If you tell someone you're going to be there, be there. Be there. 
Don't back out last minute. Be there. If you tell your wife that you're going to be home at 5.15, be there to the best of your ability. I gave you that example because that's a struggle of mine. <laughs> you can talk to my wife after. Yeah, I'll be home 5.15, 5.30. Oh, sorry. This was convicting to me. Can you tell? If you tell your spouse you're going to get a work home project done, a home improvement project done in your house, and you give an end date, get it done. Teenagers, if you tell your friends you're going to be at an event, be at an event. Don't have the syndrome like me of FOMO, fear of missing out. It's better to keep your word and your commitment than to back out last minute. If you tell your company you're going to pay your bills online and on time, pay them online and on time. Let your yes be yes. Be faithful to do what you say in the big things and the small things. Number two, say no if you have any doubt you can't follow through. I have been over the years a people pleaser. I'm getting much better about it now. But I'm learning to say no, and it's so freeing because I can't do everything, and neither can you. You can't say yes to everything. And so it's freeing to say no, and it's okay to say no, even if you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. If your mother-in-law has a party planned and you need to be there, but you simply can't, you're going to have to tell your mother-in-law no, and it's okay. You may not even have to explain why, but let your no be no. Say no if you have any doubt that you can't follow through. If you can't attend an event, say no. Teenage girls, if a guy asks you out and you don't like him, say no. Say no. Because it will cause him harm if you say yes and you don't like him and you continue to date and then you, it makes it worse for him. So just say no. You don't even have to give a reason. Just say no, not interested. Okay, move on. If someone, again, if, 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 if you feel like you won't be able to follow through with the deal you're making in business, Back out now before jumping into something that you wish you hadn't. I heard an example of, a, of an uncle who co-signed for his nephew a car loan. Y'all know where I'm about to go here. The nephew, he couldn't pay his bills. And then the nephew was nowhere to be seen. And so what does the, the loan company do? They, they call the, the uncle who co-signed. And they say, hey, you got to pay up. And the co-signer said, the uncle said, whoa, whoa, what? No, no, you agreed to this when you co-signed for your nephew, and he can't pay it, so now the bill's yours. And he said, no, 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 I didn't agree to this. And I remember it was Dave Ramsey, I think it was him, who said, uh, yeah, you're entitled to pay it. So again, don't co-sign even your child's loan. It's not a good idea. Don't commit to something that you may not be able to keep. Let your no be no. Number three, if you commit to do something to later find out that if you do what you promised will be sinning, then you need to break the vow before you sin. In other words, if you commit to something and then you realize, oh, I shouldn't have committed to that because that's sinning against God, it's better for you to break that commitment before sinning. And finally, number four, with it being the 4th of July tomorrow, I want to end with this. Surround yourself with people who tell the truth and vote on elected officials who have a track record of keeping their word. Vote on elected officials who have a proven track record of not only making promises but delivering on those promises and keeping their word.
You know, one of our problems today in America is that we elect people who aren't trustworthy, who will give all these empty promises and the moment they're elected, they, they do what's the opposite of their platform. If we want to see revival take place, not only do we need to be people who tell the truth, but we need to elect people who represent us who tell the truth. Noah Webster, he said these profound words many, many years ago. In selecting men and women today for office, let principle be your guide. It is alleged by men of loose principles or defective views of the subject that religion and morality are, net, are not necessary or important qualifications for political stations. But the scriptures teach a different doctrine. They direct that rulers should be men who rule in the fear of God, able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. It is to the neglect of this rule of conduct in our citizens that we must ascribe the multiplied frauds, breaches of trust, peculations, and embezzlements of public property which astonish even ourselves, which tarnish the character of our country, which disgrace a Republican government. Do you know what Webster was saying here? He was saying, elect people who tell the truth, who not only say good things, but do good things. And they practice what they preach. They put their money where their mouth is and they're faithful and consistent with what they say. If we wanna see us continue to have religious freedom in this nation that we've had since our nation's beginning, we need to elect men and women who tell the truth. James 5, 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Notice what James said at the beginning of this verse, but above all. What does he mean here? Make it your highest priority, the utmost importance to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. Keep your word. And what God tells us to do is to keep our word and to be faithful whenever we make a commitment to follow through.